0: You're listening to the King's Church DC podcast. King's Church is located in the heart of Washington, DC and exists to make Jesus known in our city through enduring presence that brings personal conversion, purposeful living, and community reconciliation. We hope you enjoy the following sermon. Good morning, everyone. My name is Wesley. I'm one of the pastors here. And as been said at the beginning of the service, uh, we are doing things a little bit different today. And so I'm going to kind of be the scripture reader today and the preacher. We're going to do all one little package here. And uh, we'll read the scripture in just a moment from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And then what I'll do is just kind of give a brief uh, sermonette. Uh, every pastor loves to give brief sermons. So I'm going to do my best uh, to keep it very brief today uh, as we celebrate uh, during this Christmas season together. So let's read from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God and Mary said behold I am the I am a, the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed from her this is God's word as we enter into this season, I'm assuming most of you have travel plans. Uh, perhaps you're flying, but perhaps if you're like my wife and I, you look at the, the, the cost of tickets right now, and you opt to drive instead, uh, to go on road trips to see people or to see friends and family, or perhaps friends and family are coming to visit you uh, for the holidays as well. Now, Uh, Even though our children are still relatively small, I can remember very vividly the very first road trip we took with our our oldest, Ellie, when she was a newborn. Now, the reason I remember this is because it shocked me how a 10-pound baby could require twice the amount of luggage of my wife and I combined. I mean, if you think about it, it's pretty bizarre. How could a person so small that I could literally carry her in one arm can require hundreds of pounds, literally, of accessories if we leave town for just a few days? You have the car seat, you have the portable crib, you have the bouncy seat, you have toys, you have food, you have clothes, you have diapers, and so on. And when we come to Christmas, we're presented today with another child. But this child and his story is much different from that of my daughter in carrying her around on a road trip. And what I mean by that is when Jesus comes in that first Advent season, He did not come as a child that we would carry. He was born to carry us. He didn't come as a child that we would carry His weight around, He came as a child who would one day carry the weight of his sh- the world on His shoulders. He didn't come so that we would have to lug around His excess burdens and luggage, but He came to relieve our burdens. He didn't come so that we would raise Him up. He came so that we might be raised up. You see, when we come to the Advent season, we tend to slow down in anticipation of the birth of Jesus. And I don't want to sound like a Grinch this morning, but one of the purposes of the Advent season is to remind us just how broken this world is and how we can't carry ourselves anymore is to remind us that we can't fix everything around us and things that are going on in our lives by ourselves. In the midst of all the nostalgia and the feel-good stories, what is quite opposite is the reality of Advent, that we have to come face-to-face with the truth that we can't fix ourselves, and we need someone greater than us to carry us through. And we feel this, right? Perhaps it's the dysfunction of a family during holidays. Perhaps it's your job that just has a feel of futility right now. Perhaps it's the fact that you look inside yourself and you see that the invisible puppet masters of your soul are things like anxiety. Perhaps you look at your career and you realize just how much it's controlled you and it's turned you cold and hard towards others. The reality is there's so many things that press upon our hearts during the Advent season that remind us that we can't do this on our own. That what we need to experience today is for God to do the impossible for us. What we need to see in Advent is that we have a creator, the creator of the universe, who is not himself part of the universe, yet he intervenes in his world and he initiates something that only he can do during Advent. And that really is the main idea as we look at uh, Gabriel coming to Mary here and the announcement of the birth of Christ is that God does the impossible at Christmas for us. Where we can't pick ourselves up, He picks us up. Where we can't fix ourselves, He fixes us. Where we can't, He will. That is the story of Advent. That is the good news this morning that God could do the impossible for you. As so we're going to see very briefly out of this passage, just two things. How does He do it? And why does it matter this morning for us? How does He do it? And why does it matter? How does He do the impossible this morning? And why does it matter? If you look at this passage, you'll notice that it's full of surprises, right? God surprises us time and time again in this passage. He just kind of blows our minds, really, when you think about it. The first obvious surprise is the biological one, right? I mean, uh, Gabriel comes to a teenage girl and says, you're going to have a baby and you're a virgin, right? I mean, whether you heard from a middle school teacher or that awkward conversation with your parents, you know that's not how that works, right? Like, it doesn't take us to be rocket scientists this morning to know that that's not how our world operates, that is a shock, that is a surprise to our system. But, but more than that, there's also this cultural surprise in this text, that the text says that Mary is from Nazareth. She is this teenage girl from a city in the middle of nowhere. In fact, Luke tells us that Nazareth is in Galilee, and the reason he's telling us it's in Galilee is because if he just says Nazareth, most people will not know where that is. It's not a popular place. And if you're gonna make a big announcement, you're not gonna go to a teenage girl in Nazareth. If you're gonna make a big splash, if you're gonna try to build a movement, this isn't the type of way you would go about it. You'd come to a place like DC, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious. You come to a place like DC. You would talk to someone who has power and influence. You would pour your investment into that type of movement. But what God says here from the beginning in this announcement is the way he's going to break into his creation is by doing the improbable and the impossible. He's going to do it in a way that shocks and surprises all of us. In verse 37, he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. The bottom line with all the objections that Mary might feel in this moment, God says through the angel, speaks to her this truth, nothing will be impossible with God. Because into this moment, leading to this moment, God had been preparing the world for this impossibility for thousands of years. And God was going to do the most improbable, impossible thing in the history of the world. And that is, God chose to enter into his creation without ceasing to become to being the eternal God. He comes and he is conceived in, in, in the womb of a virgin, so that the fatherhood of this child would be absolutely unique, meaning that this child, he is the, the son of God, not the son of Joseph. He has a, a divine father, not a biological human father. Therefore he is both divine as God's son, and human as Mary's son. In Mary, in verse 34, she asks the very obvious question here. How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answers her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In essence, how is this gonna happen? How is God going to do it? God himself, the Holy Spirit, the impossibility, working power, the power of the Most High will take place of a human earthly father. And God himself will be the shadow of his wings. He will come and he will overshadow Mary so that she will become pregnant with the Son of God. And as the Holy Spirit comes upon her, the angel says, this child will be holy Meaning that this child will be good, pure, without defect, without blemish. Meaning this child will be be the only one who can both be the fitting sacrifice as the spotless lamb of God to die in our place and also be the flawless king to reign over it all. He's not only coming to be the king over Israel, he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, he is the king over it all, he is the son of God. In verse 31 it says that his name will be Jesus. And Matthew tells us what that means in his gospel. This means savior. That our king who is coming, what God is doing, how he is doing it, is he is bringing the king who is also the savior. The savior not for those who put their best foot forward, not those who are good on their own, the savior for the needy. The savior for those who cannot carry themselves, the saviors who cannot fix the world around them, the ones, all of us, who are in need today. And in verse 33, he says that this child will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Meaning this king, this king of the universe will never be replaced. There will be no election for a new president of the universe. There will be no runoff needed. There will never be a successor sitting upon the throne of Jesus. His kingdom is forever. Now why does this matter this morning for us? Because when we, when we hear this story, sometimes our hearts and our minds can go straight to, well, you know, sometimes this just sounds kind of like a fairy tale, right? I mean, a virgin birth. Like, you know, we, we, we recite this every week in the Apostles' Creed with billions of Christians throughout time and history. We believe this is true. It's important to us. Well, how do we, how do we get past the logical uh, hang-ups in our mind? Well, how does this work, God? How did you make this happen? Well, perhaps the goal here of what God is showing us is that we can't logically reason ourselves to understand how he did it. Because the purpose of this miracle was to show that God is coming to interrupt the natural flow of things. It baffles us because God is doing the impossible. He comes in a way to interrupt the natural flow of things in a unique and unexpected way. He does the extraordinary. And why does this matter? Because if this extraordinary thing did not happen this way, then all of us in this room today are hopeless. We're all hopeless. In other words, if Jesus is not God eternal... If his conception and birth were not of God, if it were not miraculous, then guess what? Jesus is just like us. That means he also is born over the curse of sin. That means he also would have to be confounded and overwhelmed by the brokenness of this world. And that means he would have to say with all of us in this room, I cannot fix this. But praise be to God, Jesus is not like us. He is not like us because God's spirit overshadowed Mary and brought forth life where there was no life before. So Jesus is not born under the curse of sin. He is blameless. He is God eternal. Hebrews 1 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the words of His power. He is not like us. From the very beginning, He was blameless. He was not confounded or overwhelmed by the brokenness of this world. So He alone, this Christmas, can say to our hearts this morning that He alone can fix this. He alone can provide the remedy for our souls. He is not a child like us, and He came in a way that was miraculous so that He could proclaim to be who He is God's Son, the one who can fix us, the one who can carry us, the one who can make us whole. That's why it matters this morning that the coming of Christ provides hope because He is the eternal King. Now, how do we respond to this this morning? As we think of this Advent season, and perhaps you think of the burdens on your heart right now, you think of the things in your life that just seem to be in turmoil. How do we respond to this coming King, the one who came for us? Well, I think Mary leads us in how to respond here. Look at Mary's incredible, rather shocking response, her trust that she displays in verse 38. After everything that has been said to her, all the the surprises, all the things that, that don't make sense in her mind at the moment, she says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm sure Mary had many more questions to follow, right? She was inquisitive about what was gonna happen here, but even through all of her thinking, through all of her questioning, she entrusts herself to what God says. She has no idea what the next 30 plus years of her life is gonna look like, or the life of this child is going to entail. But here's what she knows that if God is so gracious that he would bring a king to rescue his people, after centuries of them wandering from him, after centuries of them rebelling against him, if God is so gracious that he would be that good and that gracious to provide a king, a savior that they need, then she can entrust herself to him. That she can believe that he is good. That she can believe that he is God. This morning, the question for us as we get ready to prepare our hearts for communion is, will we trust Him today? In this Advent season, as we think about the world around us, can we trust in Him? Amidst all the brokenness and the chaos in our lives right now, will we trust in Him? Because He wasn't born so that we could carry Him. He was born to carry us. When we can't, He does. When we won't, He will. That is the good news of Christmas. And that is why in Christmas season, we're drawn to these stories. We're drawn to Christmas. We're drawn to the classic movies. That's why we like to go to theaters on Christmas day. We like to in, in, in envelop ourselves into the story that we're seeing all around us because in all those movies and all the, the stories that we tell around Christmas time, they all have the same heartbeat in common, right? We wanna see the hero. We see the hopelessness of this world, we see that darkness seems like it's gonna win, and we all want that happy ending at the end of it. We all desire that, we want it deep in our souls, and what Christmas reminds us is that Jesus can actually provide that for us in reality. That we can actually wake up this Christmas and see that things can be changed, things can be new in our lives, all because of the death of one person that leads to life for all. Because the birth of Jesus is not just another fable, it's not just another myth, it is the reality that connects all the other stories together. Is the reality that we can live in, the reality that our hearts long for, that Jesus alone can break the curse, that he invites us into relationship with him this morning, that he alone can end death and disease and hurt in your life today. He can relieve the headaches and the broken relationships and the decaying bodies that we suffer from. He can turn our sad memories into happy and joyous eternal moments. He can take those hurt feelings and He can see them and turn them for good. He rescues us. He is the one who could bring us home in victory. Will you trust Him this morning? Will you trust Him to do the impossible in your life? To carry you, to lift your burdens, to bring life to your soul? See, let's not let Christmas pass this year and just see the feel-good stories and the sentimental feelings. Let's allow this Advent season to be real to our hearts. Let's remind ourselves that Jesus is Lord, He is God, and He is knowable to us. He has come for us. And as we partake in communion this, this morning, as we'll sing later, let's rest in this truth of the hymn, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Let us receive our King this morning.